Welcome to Cup of Cubby Blue, your series-by-series check-in for Cubs news, notes, and banter. As always, you can find us on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe so you never miss an episode. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about the Cubs at Bleed Cubby Blue. Hi, I'm Andy Cruz Vanasek, and I am so excited I live in St. Louis this weekend. I am so jealous you live in St. Louis this weekend. (laughs) (laughs) Serious FOMO over here from Wrigleyville. There's like so many fun things going on and I don't get to be part of any of them. (sighs) It's okay, Sarah. We tend to have fun no matter what we do. So I'll bring it to you next weekend. All right. That sounds like a plan. Uh, I cannot wait for that, by the way. We're finally going to be in the same city and it's going to be incredible. It'll be fun. Um, We've got a lot to cover in this Astros series before we go back to talking about the crazy wild times that are going to happen in St. Louis. So let's just jump right into it. The Cubs dropped two out of three against the uh, Houston Astros. And I I don't know what to say about this. I I wrote an article about it. They basically just got babbibbed to death. And I, I mean what do you want? Like, it was really frustrating to score five or more runs and lose, which the Cubs have now done in three of their last six six games. Um, What are you thinking, Andy? Well, I think it's very telling that two guys that have been absolutely amazing for us so far this season, Hamill suffered his first loss in game one. Lester, who had been cruising, now he kind of hit a bumpy patch here the last couple games. But, you know, everyone was anticipating this to be a comeback game for him and him to figure it out. But, you know, I've, I've heard some things that he's kind of, kind of struggling right now with a couple different, um, his delivery and, you know, the ball just kind of feels foreign to him. Like he's having issues with that. And it's, um, I, I, you know, it's hard when two guys that you expect to see come out and, and give you, um, a pretty good chance at winning ball games, you know, give you the the appearances that they have. So that's really hard to swallow. And especially when, you know, the Cubs are doing stuff like hitting five home runs in one game and still losing. That's, I mean, that's even worse. It's just, it, it's like, wow. Um, obviously Houston is a great team, so we have to definitely give them credit, but we're not even seeing them at their full strength. So tad bit alarming there. Yeah, although I've heard this a couple of times. The Cubs weren't really at full strength either. You know, like, we're not going to have Jim Aducci batting fifth most of the time for the Chicago Cubs. (laughs) I'm pretty sure. (laughs) Pretty sure that is not the plan. And P.S. Theo, if you're listening, okay, I bet Theo doesn't listen. But just in case you're one of our new listeners, uh, don't, that can't be the plan. (laughs) You need a different plan. (laughs) Right. We, we need to, that we, yeah, that plan needs to be thrown in the trash. New plan. Well, let's, let's just like jump into this home runs thing for a second. Cause this is wild. Uh, there, there were a lot of dingers in Houston and frankly, I think it might have something to do with the absolutely ridiculous dimensions of that ballpark. But at this point in time, there are five Cubs players who have at least 10 home runs. Rizzo has 15. KB has 13. Javi has 13. Wilson Contreras has 12. And Schwarber has 10. Uh, he's really heating up still in the leadoff spot. And then Albert Almora and Jason Hayward are both knocking on that door with seven and eight home runs, respectively. And it is still May. What is going on? I mean, doesn't Hayward have the same amount of home runs that he had all of last season already this year? Yes. Yeah. And a few of these guys, I think, have actually surpassed their home run totals from 2018. In fact, I was looking at this NBC sports article 
right before we went on the air and four of the players uh, that we uh, that we just no nope, one is one that we didn't just name anyway. Um, four of the players who uh, on the Cubs have already eclipsed their 2018 home run total. So that's Wilson Contreras, uh, Elmora, Jason Hayward, and David Bodie. So and and a, and a few are close. Chris Bryant, Addison Russell, and Victor Caratini are all within one of their 2018 home run total. So the ball that's- is jumping. I mean, and what better place to go ahead and take care of that than St. Louis, right? But we'll talk about that later. Yeah, I <laughs> I am really looking forward to a lot of these records falling in St. Louis. And Jay, hey, if you if you want to hit two and just get to ten and just like give the Cubs six players with ten or more home runs, I I would not object to that. Nope, me neither. <laughs> so one of the things that's also in this NBC Sports article that I think is worth highlighting is that the Cubs are currently on pace for 275 home runs in 2019, which is crazy. It's over 100 more than they hit in 2018. And remember last year, everybody spent all this time talking about the Yankees or hitting the most home runs ever and all that jazz. Well, it would be more than the New York Yankees hit in 2018 with 267. Um, that is insane. I mean, they are, they are hitting them right now at such a rapid rate. I mean, like just looking at this series alone, how many times did we go back to back? It's just, it's crazy to me. It's, it's crazy. And it's not the, it's not the usual players, you know, it's not the, the, the folks that you are pretty much banking on hitting all the home runs. It's, It's guys that we're seeing get a little streak of power in them. And, you know, I mean, can we say that it has something maybe to do with the new hitting coach? Maybe. Um, I also like the ballparks they're hitting them in. I mean, that makes a difference. Um, so, I mean, it's it's awesome to see. And, I, you know, well, it remains to be seen whether or not it actually happens, whether or not we actually hit that amount of home runs. But it's it, right now it's it's fun. And unfortunately, we're not it's not translating to wins for us. But, you know, <laughs> eventually it will, right? At some point it will. I mean, it totally has to. It absolutely has to translate to wins. The The Cubs are not going to keep, I think, I, I should knock on wood. I should find some wood somewhere. But the Cubs are not going to keep losing games where they score five or more runs and hit five home runs. That just doesn't seem like it's going to happen. I think that's got to be fluky. And we just have to ride this little streak out. Hopefully that streak will end just in time for the Cubs next meeting with the Cardinals, uh, which is scheduled to take place tomorrow in St. Louis. Um, I mean, I guess uh, here's something that we can be kind of thankful for. It it was really issues with the starting pitching and it was a lot of weak contact. It wasn't anything predictable. A lot of those balls, if they fall slightly differently or hit at a slightly different angle, they're probably outs rather than hits. And Houston, to give them credit, they're just a good ball club. They kept, you know, going station to station and putting a bunch of runs on the board. Well, yeah, and in all fairness, like um the the Monday game loss where it was 6 to 5, that definitely did not that score is um not quite indicative of what happened in that game. I mean, that game became close at the end. Um that felt more like a 6 to 2 game, which is what it was I think going into the 7th. Um and th- th- you got to give credit to their pitchers cuz their pitchers were very good. Um, and we, we did not go in with the game plan that you and I discussed, and I don't know who didn't do their job and get our podcast to the players, (laughs) but our discussion of having patience and being selective 
would have definitely been key in this situation. Hence, Javi Baez and his five strikeouts on Monday. That oh was my painful. Gosh. That was painful. Yeah. I mean, I, I think Garrett Cole, well, the, the game Garrett Cole started, I don't remember how many of them were his strikeouts. There were 17 strikeouts in that game. Oh, which, my gosh. <laughs> the Cubs could not strike out 17 times and win baseball games. That's insane. That's painful. I mean, come on, guys. Although, speaking of strikeouts, let's move on to the game that the Cubs won in this series because Kyle Hendricks uh, seems to be striking guys out now, which is kind of a new thing. He's always been kind more of a ground ball, pitch-to-contact type of pitcher, pitcher, but the game that the Cubs won, it was a 2-1 to one victory. Kyle Hendricks won eight innings because he's Kyle Hendricks and he's incredible. Uh, he threw 73 strikes during that game and struck out seven Astros, which this is a team that Cubs pitchers were obviously struggling with. That's awesome. I I can't ask for any more from Kyle Hendricks. Can I just go ahead and say though, and I know people get really tired of hearing this and there's going to be a lot of eye rolls and groaning and thankfully I don't have to see or hear them, but if CB Buckner would not have been behind the plate, he would have had a lot more strikeouts. Thank you. Yes. Preach. Keep going. No, I'm dead serious. Like, it is so sad to me. Like, you and your screenshots are, like, give me life. Because I'm like, seriously, this is, if you put the two next to each other, one is a walk, one is a strikeout. Like, and the strikeout has balls lined up around the box. The walk is, like, whatever the color is where they're ball- called balls all inside the box. <laughs> Like, how does this work? Like, is my app broken? Because, I mean, it's just, it's insane to me how someone can be a professional, claim to be good at their job, or somebody claims they're good at their job, and then, and call a game like that. Like, it just, it's crazy to me. And and Hendricks, you know, he's such a, a poker face. Like you don't see emotion from him, but you know that he is throwing cuss words left and right in that brain of his because he is not happy about what, how he's getting squeezed and how he's getting called. It's just, it was crazy to me. I was, I was angry. I was loud about it too. Yeah. The zone has been woefully inconsistent all year. And I, we talked about this last time. We'll certainly talk about it again, but I agree that the zone that CB Buckner was calling, I just, I, it was terrible. And I, I know that some people think that this has to do with framing and Wilson needs to get better at it. He, he has, incidentally, you can look at the stats and see that he's improved substantially this year. But what, what exactly do the Cubs have to do? These are balls that are clearly strikes that are being called uh, balls. And I, it, it's ridiculous. Well, and I love that we're getting so much love on ESPN lately because they have this wonderful um, little visual that they give us where they can show if the ball is is cutting into the cheese, as they call it. And the, the 3D strike zone. Yes. And it's freaking amazing because half of the time that I'm screaming about it pitched, I'm like, that's not a strike or that's a strike. They pull up that that big old thing of cheese and show us that yes, it is a strike or no, it isn't a strike. So I don't feel quite so crazy when ESPN is basically, you know, co-signing on my reason for being upset. Like it's, uh, it's just so maddening. I just don't understand. Clearly this gets me worked up. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Well, speaking of things that get us worked up, let's talk about something a little bit more serious because the victory against the Astros was was not um, a game that I really felt like celebrating, uh, mainly because of the issue with Albert Almora's foul ball that hit a young fan. 
and caused, I mean, I, this was just a sickening moment for sports. And I, what exactly is it going to take for Major League Baseball to realize that it is much more important to protect fans and particularly small fans than to deal with the small percentage of very cranky people who are aggravated by the existence of nets. I, I this this can't continue. Well, I know you and I have have talked a little bit about this, obviously, um, before we're recording now today. But just one thing that I I want to say before you know we voice our our strong opinions on this, I think it's really. Um, important to recognize that major league baseball is making an effort on its marketing front the past couple of years to really get young kids back involved and loving baseball. And they're really pushing um, major league players going out to camps and, you know, getting kids just back interested in baseball because, you know, when I was growing up, everybody played baseball or softball, everybody played. Um, and then, you know, as you got older, a few would fall off here and there, but that was what everyone did. That's what you did in the summertime. So to, they want that love back. They want these kids to be involved in a, in the same breath. They're essentially saying, come, come love our sport, come consume our sport, come spend your harder money on our sport for your kids to love our sport again. But who gives a rat's butt if we're putting you in harm's way, who cares? You guys come buy these expensive tickets where you're you know, basically on the field as kids, we want you to love this game, but we're not going to do the simplest, easiest thing we could do to protect your well-being from, you know, any kind of fluke accident that can happen. There's so many things that can happen at a baseball game. And obviously you don't need me to tell you that you, you know, many of you saw video pictures, whatever, from what happened last night. And that wasn't even the only time it happened last night. It happened in two different games last night. Well, right. And I think that, that that is something that needs to be talked about and taken seriously. So this is not like the first foul ball incident that has happened. It wasn't the only time that a foul ball hit a fan, even in the same day. There was literally a woman who did die from a foul ball injury last season while celebrating her wedding anniversary. at uh, I believe it was at Dodger Stadium. And she she, she died of a brain uh, complications from a brain hemorrhage after the fact. This is insanity and it's not I, I just want to you know I hear the counter arguments that people make that the nets get in the way that fans should just pay more attention that all of these things are somehow the fault of parents for putting their children in a situation where they're at they're so close to the field in the first place and I, I just want to hit pause on that for one second um, and call out a fact that I quoted in an article earlier today that Jeff Passan wrote about on ESPN. And everybody should read this Jeff Passan piece because he is worked up and he is 100% right. But one of the things that he says is that StatCast didn't have the exit velocity on that the swing that Albert Almora Jr. had yesterday public. However, it did report that the ball traveled 160 feet in 1.2 seconds, which means that it was going at least 90 miles per hour. I don't care who you are, how much attention you pay to the games, how great your reflexes are the vast majority of baseball fans cannot get out of a projectile coming at them at 90 plus miles per hour i know that i can't i i am a reasonably fit individual <laughs> i pay attention at ball games i would not be able to react that quickly 
Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's funny because all these folks that have such strong opinions how these nets will ruin the game and how it's um, such a bother and such a, you know, I, I, I just, I really don't understand the argument, to be quite frank. This coming from somebody, now I know you guys have heard this from me a couple of times, but I've played fast pitch softball basically my entire life up until about the age of 25. I played in college. I saw pitchers throwing 40 feet, throwing upwards of 75 miles an hour, which is roughly 98, 98, 98, 99 mile an hour fastball in the majors. I've been hit by those pitches. I know what that feels like. It's softball. Don't let it kid you. It's not a softball. It's a bigger version of a baseball. It hurts. It does not feel good. And even when you're prepared for that, you cannot get out of the way of it. You're prepared. You're standing in the batter's box. You're waiting for the pitch. It does not matter. You cannot get out of the way of that of that velocity. You just can't. And to be at a baseball game where are there uh, a million distractions, a million distractions, every direction. I mean, this day and age, teams want you to, to see what's going on around the park. They want you to be looking at this and be paying attention to that and check your app for this and the ballpark and this and that. And people are on their phones and talking. It's a social event. You know, it's just, there's just so many things that could happen. It's, it's, it's impossible for you to be able to get out of the way of a ball like that. It, it just is, even if you're ready for it. I mean, I have a quick story I want to share because I was telling my coworker this today and he, he's a baseball player as well. And just was in complete awe of this, like just, wow, could not believe it. My husband and I, I've been very blessed to be in two different jobs where I've gotten very good Cardinals tickets. These particular seats were second row out in left field. And this was when Albert Pujols was playing for the Cardinals. He hit an absolute laser. Now we are second row in left field, an absolute laser to left field. Um, and it was a home run, obviously. It was over our heads, probably about eight or nine rows. So good 10, 12 rows off the field. This man thought he was going to be a tough guy and catch it with his bare hands. There was no fly to this ball. This was an absolute shot. Uh, we watched the ball hit his hand and his hand exploded. I've oh never seen anything like it. It was the most disgusting thing I've ever Ugh. seen. I... I mean, I was sick to my stomach. Like the guys around us were, I mean, like felt nauseous. It was awful. This guy thought he was going to be an absolute hero and catch this ball. You cannot for any reason tell me that this, I mean, and he was ready for it. He was, he was on it. I mean, it was a, it was a laser. It was a home run. So he still had a couple seconds to, to respond to it. But I mean, this, this ball just hit him exactly in the right way. And his hand just exploded. I mean, it was nauseous. Yeah, it was, I won't even describe what I saw, but let's just put it this way. That man taught a lot of people a lesson that day. He taught a lot of people a lesson because you guys just don't understand. I mean, I just watched a video on, on Twitter when we were waiting um, to get on right now. And um, this is a 23-year-old Major League Baseball player playing, um, I'd say, a shallow right field, deep second base. Line shot. From, I don't even know who is batting. Looks like, I don't know who this is. Sorry. Um, somebody from the Rangers, um, Grillo, um, hit a, a ball 175 feet away. Joey Gallo, not Grillo, Joey Gallo. You're good. Um, and just this, I mean, this guy got a glove on it, didn't catch it, took the glove off and was shaking his hand. I mean, that's how hard that ball was hit. He had a glove on, still got a glove on it, didn't catch it. And still took his glove off and was shaking his hand like he was in pain. Like, I mean, hello. This is just, it's common sense, people. It's not that hard. Stop trying to be tough. It's not worth it. Well, and this is the thing. And this was also in Passan's article, which, again, highly recommend people read. 
the players on the field want extended netting. Chris Bryant, Jason Hayward, Kyle Schwarber, Albert Almora Jr. all came out after this game and said that the net should extend all the way around the park. And, you know, KB said, let's just put it, put, he said fences. I, I imagine he means netting up around the whole field. So it's, there are a lot of kids that come to the games, young kids who want to watch us play, and the balls come in hard. The speed of the game is quick. And I think any safety measure we can take to make sure that the fans are safe, we should do it. And that's, that's just so basic to me. You know, like you were saying earlier, MLB wants younger fans. They want kids to enjoy the ballpark, and they should. Baseball is a fun sport. I fell in love with it as a child. I want other people's children to fall in love with it. I want them to be able to enjoy the games, and I want them to be safe while they're doing it. And if nets make fans safer, and by the way, they have had netting foul pole to foul pole uh, in the Korean and Japanese leagues for, I'm reading in some places, like the last 20 years, it doesn't hurt your enjoyment of the game. It doesn't take away from the action on the field. It keeps fans safe and people can still enjoy the ballpark. Yeah, I, I think I mentioned this on um on Twitter too, and I think you and I were exchanging with somebody about this. And I watched a dateline about this a while back, or it was a vignette done by somebody, maybe NBC Sports. I need to Google it and watch it again. But it was basically just, you know, saying what you're saying, how you know, American baseball is the only organized form of baseball in the world that does not protect its fans. And this was even before they had extended the netting past the dugouts. This was when it was just straight back. So, I mean, there's no excuse for it, you know, and they, they, they gave us all kinds of numbers and all kinds of statistics about folks that are hurt, you know, over in Japan compared to how many are hurt uh, in one summer in the United States. So, you know, and there's just, there was no comparison. I can't even give you those stats off the top of my head, but there was no comparison. It was just ridiculous to me that, you know, stuff like that is out there. And obviously we see this happen and there's, Nothing said about it, nothing really done about it. I mean, the players are speaking out, which I absolutely love because obviously they want the fan experience to to be an enjoyable one. And, you know, I'm sorry, you know, where I sit when I sit in my company seats, I'm very selective about who I take. I'm very selective about what I drink. I'm very selective about what I do because they're literally the second row off the field and they're right up the third baseline and they're in a spot where I've seen people get hurt, take shot, take you know, a foul ball off the shoulder or whatever else trying to get out of the way. It's, it's just, it's really scary. It's, and you know, I'm not here to judge any parents on what they want to do with their children. I mean, that's, that's up to them, whatever decisions they make, you know, we all walked in different shoes along the way and have, you know, different takes on, on what's okay for our kids and everything else. But I would never put my kids in those seats ever. And I, you know, sometimes we'll bring a glove and I still don't feel like I could make a play on it or, you know, get out of the way or or help anybody or do anything like that. It's just something that's so easy and, um, you know, should have been done a long time ago. They should have just went ahead and extended those nuts all the way down when they did it the first time. Yeah, hopefully this will provide a wake up call and MLB will extend the nets foul pole to foul pole. I, there are a lot of people calling for it today and our prayers are with the little girl in Houston who and her family we hope that she's recovering and makes a full recovery I I do want to say that um, you know Albert Almora had just a really touching interview after the game talking about how he wants to help them however he can and be involved and get to know her and her family and I I hope that that's something good that can come out of this but the it's a policy that certainly needs to change 
Um, who? Okay. With that, we need to take a quick break. We're going to come back with some thoughts about the upcoming Cubs Cardinals series on the other side. And we're back. Andy, the Cubs are headed to the Lou. I live in the Lou. I know. So I got a little party together. So Friday. Oh my gosh, tell me more. I, I'm so I, jealous about this, I know. by the way. <laughs> I know. And I, I, know. I, I, I need to calm down. I, you're always like, oh, I'm so jealous you get to go to Wrigley. And now I know. I know exactly what you mean. Because I'm like, I want to go to this meetup in the Lou. So I got this crazy little idea to do um, a little meetup in St. Louis. So if you are heading to the games and you're listening to this, or you live in St. Louis and you're listening to this, we are going to Kilroy's, which is just south of the stadium after the game. If you know where Patio's is, Kilroy's is just on the other side of that. So I hope to have a good crowd. I know I'm on several Cubs fans in St. Louis Facebook pages, and there's quite a few going from there. Um, We have friends joining us from the away game. Games podcast. They're driving all the way from New York. Um, they'll be with us. I've gotten um, comments on Twitter from the likes of Jesse Rogers. Um, I've reached out to a couple of my local friends that I'm hoping will come. So I'm hoping it'll be um, a good big time and uh, everybody will enjoy getting to meet other Cubs fans and we can, you know, hopefully celebrate a win at that point. That's so awesome. You all are going to have an incredible time. I will be thinking of you all and like sending a toast in your general direction. I really wish I could be there. Well, I have gotten a couple suggestions from folks that can't make it that also wish they could be here to go Twitter live. So oh yeah, do it. I, I may do that. I may do that. We'll see what shape everybody is in at that point. Um, I will be working the game. My, um, my day job, we're hosting some clients, so I will be in good shape, but I'll wait and see what the folks around me will be like before I do anything crazy like Twitter live. So Awesome. Another thing to keep an eye out for if you're headed to St. Louis this weekend. So Jim Deshays uh, posted on Twitter that they've got the fountains in St. Louis dyed blue right now for the hockey team for the blues. But it looks like the same type of blue that you might dye the fountains if you wanted to welcome the Cubs. (laughs) That is amazing. That's yeah, that's a Keener Plaza. If you guys want to go over there, Keener Plaza is actually um, they've actually done it up pretty nice. And I kind of made a joke because my work is having a dress down day tomorrow for um, the St. Louis Blues. And I'm like, well, conveniently, the St. Louis Blues blue is also the same as my cubby blue. So I have plenty of blue. That's outstanding. I I really love that the Cubs are coming in right when the city is celebrating the color blue. I think that's pretty great. Um, speaking, speaking of other things that are going on, I don't know if people saw this, but I got the greatest MLB alert maybe ever, uh, today on a Cubs off day. Obviously there are greater ones on when the Cubs games are going on, but apparently Chris Bryant is here for your booze. Um, he was asked if he was ready to be booed in St. Louis and he was sort of like, I hope they boo all of us. Oh my goodness. This is so great. I love it. I cannot wait. I mean, I, right now I, I don't have tickets to Sunday, but, um, Saturday night is going to be crazy because the blues also play a couple blocks away. So I, my bet is that it's going to be all Cubs fans on Saturday, but we'll just wait and see what happens. I just, I can't wait. It's going to be amazing. I'm, I'm like, I have butterflies right now. I'm so excited. Yeah, it's going to be great. I think that this is going to be an incredible series. And if you, so here's something wild. I, I think that the Cubs might have broken the St. Louis Cardinals. 
And hear me out on this, because on May 3rd, when the Cardinals came to Wrigley, they were 20 and 12, and they had a 1.5 game lead in the NL Central over the Cubs. Okay, and the Cubs were 17 and 12 at that point in time. If y'all remember, this was the Kyle Hendricks Maddox game. It was also the birth of this podcast. So, so maybe the birth of Cup of Cubby Blue is what did the Cardinals in. But since that time, the Cardinals have won seven games and dropped 16. The Cubs have won 14 games and dropped uh, dropped 11. So I, I really feel like that sweep that the Cubs dealt the Cardinals um, at the start of May might have just been it, it might have just been a turning point for that Cardinals team this season. I mean, they are under 500 right now. Yeah. And let me tell you, it's kind of nice that there is hockey still going on for St. Louis because right now nobody is talking about baseball. I mean, nobody. It is not even on the radar. Even the guys announcing the St. Louis Cardinals games. Now I keep in mind, I, my, I come from a house divided. So the Cardinals baseball is usually on our TV. I mean, they're even talking about hockey. They don't want to talk about their baseball team. I mean, it's kind of funny. I'm not going to lie. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how St. Louis responds to us coming in on, you know, what, what turned out to be a pretty decent month of May. And um, obviously we did some damage uh, in their direction the last time that we faced them. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know if if they're going to come out wanting vengeance. I don't feel like they're in that place right now. I feel like they're kind of, you know, we're going to come in and kind of kick a team that's already down. I kind of feel like that's that's the direction we're heading in. I hope you're right because the Cubs have not played their best stretch of baseball over the last week and a half. And it would be really, I mean, I think it would be the perfect time for them to break out of this little funk and go on a new winning streak. to go into St. Louis and take at least two of three from the Cardinals, if not be able to win all three. I I think that would just be the most awesome (laughs) outcome that one could hope for. Um, I, I was really hoping it, it kind of made me sad that they weren't going to see Hendricks again this series because I was, <laughs> I was really hoping to see a redo of that, but, um, yeah, I mean, they're just to be quite frank, they're not getting what they expected from their starting pitching. Um, and I think that was probably something that the Cardinals thought before the season was going to be a strong point. You know, Miklas came in, um, before this season coming off a pretty hot 2018. So for him to be pretty mediocre up until this point, I know is a big disappointment for them because, you know, he was kind of framed as their, I don't want to say ace, but kind of, I mean, he kind of was coming into the season, um, somebody that they felt like they could rely on pretty heavily and, and he's not done that. So I'm looking at Darvish in game one to really come out and, you know, the weather is warm. It's going to be a, a perfect day for baseball. It's he's got no excuses. I mean, literally, he has no excuses. Yeah, this is on enemy t- territory, but I feel like he can come in and just really dominate, especially against a team that's, you know, it's kind of broken right now. To use your yeah. word, <laughs> you know, you Darvish last game, and I'm still so bummed out that he came out to pitch the eighth inning because he was he he had a great 
thing going through seven. He, he It wasn't like the prettiest start in the history of history, but he really battled. He got it done. He pitched a flawless seventh inning. He came off that mound like he was ready to rock. You know, I was just like, I am reborn as a cub. And then Madden sent him out for a couple batters too long. I It would be awesome to see new resurgent Darvish uh, make his debut in St. Louis. I'm, I'm still on the Darvish comeback tour train. I, I fully believe it's going to happen. He he pitch, he has two awesome of stuff for that not to happen, right? Like his, his actual stuff, the pitches that he throws are so good that I just, I want him to pull it all together and I want him to have that comeback moment with the Cubs. I, yeah, definitely. I mean, we talked about that in, in great length in our last episode about, you know, how disappointing it was to see him um, finish the game the way he did. Like there, he just had no business being out there in the eighth. So I really hope that he has a short memory, which I feel like he does. Um, and he goes out in St. Louis and just out of the gates, just, you know, shows us what he's got and, you know, gives us another good long start. I mean, what better way to, to bounce back than to have, you know, a seven inning appearance of, you know, one or two run ball. I mean, that would be phenomenal. I would be so happy with that. Yeah, I agree. So that game is Friday uh, at 7.15. And then on Saturday, the game is at 6.15. The matchup is Jose Quintana and Jack Flaherty. Uh, Jose Quintana has really looked awesome lately. I I don't have very many complaints about the way Quintana has been pitching. He's had eight starts in a row with three runs or fewer allowed. Um and that was, or sorry, he had eight starts in a row with three runs or fewer allowed prior to his last start against the Reds. But he really, I, I think that Quintana could do some damage against a Cardinals team that's been struggling a little bit. Yeah, and and I agree. And he's he has looked really tough. And I feel like he always pitches pretty well against the Cardinals. Uh, Flaherty, on the other hand, you know, from what I've seen of him, he has been super streaky. He's I've seen him pitch really good. Um, and, you know, I don't watch full Cardinals games. I usually just watch the highlights on the news. But, you know, and they're basically, they're saying the same thing about him. He's just not as consistent as they would like to see from him. So let's catch him on a bad night, an off night, and, and you know, Q just be his typical self and, and get another W on Saturday. Yeah, and then the last matchup on Sunday during the day is going to be Cole Hamels versus Adam Wainwright. And I was joking before we started recording that this would have been a really killer matchup in like 2012. I mean, it's so true, though. It's so true. It probably was at one point. <laughs> I, I, look, I Cole Cole Hamels. I, I want to I be fair here. Cole Hamels has been much better as he's gotten older than Adam Wainwright has been the last couple of years. I think that Cole Hamels admittedly hasn't had, has had a couple of starts in a row that haven't been great, but I, I would take Cole Hamels against Adam Wainwright right now and feel pretty good about it. Um, I, Adam Wainwright hasn't really looked that impressive to me for a while now. No. And I think I'm just still surprised that he's in a, in a, in a pitching role. I mean, in a starting role, um, I just, I, I don't know how long that's going to last for them. You know, I, I don't know what other options they have at this point. Um, I know Waka got moved to the bullpen, which I just found out last night, which I thought was quite funny. But yeah, I mean, Hamels, obviously of the two, has a much better track record this year going into this matchup. And Wainwright just, I mean, he's just, he just looks gassed. You know, he just does not have his stuff. And 
you know, he, he has, he has glimpses of his past self, not at the velocity that he did, but, um, we'll see. I mean, I really feel like this might be a game that our offense can, can tear it up a little bit and, um, score, put a big lopsided number on the board, which would be great. I would love that all day. Yeah, I, I do want to give credit to one thing for Wainwright. It appears that he had 10 strikeouts in his last loss against the Phillies. So he does still have the ability to strike guys out. And we know that the Cubs like to swing. So that could be that could be a little bit dangerous. Um, anything else you're looking for as this series gets started, Andy? I know you're going to be bringing the Cubs luck and having a great time with all the Cubs podcasts, social media, Twitterati in the loo. Oh my gosh. Great word. Yeah. It's going to be so fun. I'm ready. Uh, you know, I always love it when, when the Cubs come to town, obviously my commute is a lot shorter than when they're in Chicago. So it's always nice for them to be here. And you know, more and more in the past few years, um, you see a lot more Cubs fans around here and a lot more people that are willing to say they're Cubs fans, (laughs) because let's be honest, there were some years where I lived in the dark and I did not come out with my Cubs (laughs) Cubs fan <laughs> status. So yeah, it's, it's really fun. It's fun around here. You know, anybody listening, if you're ever able to get down to St. Louis for this series, you know, please don't, don't hesitate to reach out. I'm always happy to put together a meetup anytime. We'll definitely do one when Sarah gets down here at some point. So um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a great series. It's always, like I said, fun for these two teams to get together. I, I don't want to see very much fun though. I want to see more like stepping on necks. You know what I mean? Like, let's, (laughs) let's just go ahead. And these guys, I feel like they're really struggling. The Cardinals are struggling and the Cubs really need to break out. So what better time, what better weekend to do it? Yeah, I think that's a perfect note to end this episode on just a one other comment before we take off, we will be back with a look back at the Cardinal series and a look ahead to the makeup game with the angels and the Colorado Rockies coming back to Wrigley field on Monday morning. And we're also going to have some special content with that episode. BCB's own Josh Timmers has um, agreed to give us a little bit of a draft preview. So we will be talking about the MLB draft on Monday as well. And we look forward to bringing you that. Bye.